So I guess this is the first episode of this podcast series. My name is Siggy, and I guess I'll be your host for this series of podcasts, and let's see where it takes us. Um, I'm in my car right now at the stable, and this is going to be the first episode as mentioned before, so do take it easy on me because I'm new to this whole podcast thing, but I'd still like to share our journey with you guys. So I guess this episode, um, first of all, will be a little longer than most of the episodes. I'm aiming for like 20 minutes bi-weekly. Um, but this one's probably going to be a little longer because I just want to go into the background that Finn and I have and um, just to let you guys, yeah, get to know us a little bit, I guess. So my name is Siggy, as I have mentioned before. Um, I'm 19 years old and, well, turning 20 soon, and I've been riding... I'd like to say since I was 12, I think, I think that's it. I started riding in China. Um, we moved around a lot uh, when I was a kid, so we never really stayed in a country more than four years. But I was always fascinated with horses. I'm originally from Germany and um, yeah, they've just always fascinated me. So I've been on like a pony horse, pony trail horse. Um, yeah, once in a blue moon, but in China was really when I first started riding. Um, yeah, I, I won't go into too much detail about my horse riding experience in China in this episode, but I'm sure I'll make one about it later because it did really inspire me to seek new ways to work with horses because the methods used there ultimately um, were a main focus of why I moved back to Germany and lived with my grandma because I wanted to pursue my horse riding dreams more and it just didn't feel right to me over there. I didn't enjoy it anymore. I felt bad for the horses, but I couldn't do anything about it because they were less than horses. And it was just a very frustrating situation that led to a lot of heartbreak. So then I moved back to Germany um, and that's when I got Finn. I knew I wanted to get my own horse there and my parents were very supportive of that so were my grandparents and I actually wanted to become an eventer so we were looking for an event horse um, we found Finn through a recommendation of the trainer that I had at that barn because I had been taking lessons there too at this particular barn whilst I was still in China but I came back for the summer and we went to go try Finn the summer I came back to Germany and it was a very long drive. We live in the south, or lived in the south, and we got him from up north. Uh, we drove there to try out a couple of horses. Uh, the first couple ones it didn't really gel well with. They were nice horses, but didn't really work well. And the last horse they brought out was Finn. And I thought he was great. I He wasn't a very good looking horse. He was, yeah, he was a bit of an ugly duckling. He was a bit brown, grayish, and very, very skinny. Um, but I got on him, and his gallop was just amazing, and he made me feel so secure, and he was so soft, and 
yeah, we just got along really well. So the next day I decided to try him out in the dressage ring, which was a disaster <laughs> to put it short. He spooked at a water bottle. He spooked at the postman coming down the driveway. Um, yeah. And then at that point, I wasn't really sure anymore about my dressage. I never really worked on it back in Shanghai. I was mainly a jumper. So, or Shanghai, China, I was mainly a jumper. So, uh, my experience with dressage was not great. Um, so, that was probably mostly on me. Then I, yeah, then I asked if we could maybe do a little jump. And that's when he really convinced me, like, yeah, he just threw himself towards the jump, basically. It was like a, a little missile, he aimed at it, and I wasn't the most secure jumper because of my experience in China. I was very, um, I fell off a lot. The horses, they were just unhappy now looking back at it. They, it wasn't out of malice, it was just improper training, and yeah, it was a sad situation. Um, but yeah, so he was going to be looked at by a couple of Americans the weekend after and I was so happy with him that basically we signed on the day and then a couple of uh, weeks later he was uh, trailered down by his breeder and um, owner and that's how I got Finn. He was a little over five at the time. Um, Actually, no, he was a little under five at the time. I think he had just turned five, so he was very, very young. But he had been to a bunch of competitions, lower levels, etc., eventing competitions. So, um, yeah, that's how I got to meet Finn. Um, I don't know if I want to do this chronologically or not. I guess I'll just... I'll go back to a little I'll go back a little bit to my experience in China. Um so essentially there there was this horse that I had named Casper because the horses there weren't named, they were numbered, which already gives you an idea of yeah how how the human horse um experience there is. Um I named him Casper. I I basically fell in love with this horse and they had this kind of like um, young athlete program so you were the only person that was riding that horse at the barn um, that lesson horse so it kind of made you feel like it was your horse and um, Casper did have a couple of uh, leg injuries at the time and I was always into like the trick training and stuff like that and I followed loads of um, yeah those types of Instagram accounts and yeah so I really wanted to create a good bond with him so I taught him some tricks with um, with carrots and kind of clicker training like intro to clicker training I guess it was I was just fucking around a little bit pardon my language um, yeah, but that ended not so good, um, with a little heartbreak on my behalf, or actually a little bit more than just a little heartbreak. Um, and then I, yeah, and then I stopped doing that because I didn't find a horse that I felt connected to or was able to do that type of, that sort of training with. Um, and then when I met Finn, my... My ambitions were mainly um, sport related because I really did want to compete in eventing and I loved the sport. So 
the trick training and stuff like that kind of went on the back burner. Um, I did teach him like smile and stuff like that. Um, and that was also just through clicker training. However, as time went on, like within the first couple of weeks, I did notice that there were some um, things he wasn't so secure on. So for example, whenever I tried to put on the uh, leg protectors, he would move around a lot and when he was tied up to groom to be groomed he would also move around a lot and um yeah so i tried to fix that with again intro dabbling in clicker training i guess i would call it um yeah it was yeah i would just give him a treat every time he stood still and that worked actually maybe it wasn't the most efficient way to do it but it worked and so um, yeah, I always use those types of things for like, yeah, husbandry, I guess you would call it. Um, but in terms of riding, I didn't use it. I had a trainer, um, it was very strict, I guess. And so I just followed her because I was like, this is my first own horse. I, I don't really know what I'm doing, so I don't want to fuck him up, I guess. Um, and so... I just followed and relied and depended on other trainers to inform me and I thought they must be right in what they're telling me, even though there were a lot of times where it didn't feel right to me, but I thought, well, this is just how you, this is how you make a good sport horse. And that's how that went. Um, f now I guess I'll come to how we got started in more, I guess, alternative approaches to horse riding, um, holding horses, etc. So, uh, Finn from, I got him from his breeder, um, and he was used to being held, um, on a pasture, um, 24-7, so he was always outside on green grass, um, they had a little like uh, yeah. they had a little place where they could seek shelter from um, the elements um, but me was mostly held on grass now the boarding place I was at um, the horses only came out in the morning at around six and then were brought back in at noon which was about six hours of outside time however that was only in the summer in the winter they got little sand paddocks which were very small they got contact to other horses or they had contact to other horses but it was it was minimal and yeah soon um i started to notice behavioral problems with finn so this was about six months in after i had him maybe a little earlier he was very restless when I was riding him indoors, he would spook at the same door. We we had been riding in that arena for as long as I had had him, and he just kept spooking at that one door. My coach just said to keep circling him there, but it didn't really work, and it felt like a lot of force. Um, but I just thought, hey, he's misbehaving, he's trying to challenge me, I gotta, you know, show him who's boss, or, yeah. Looking back, it just makes me cringe a little bit, but I, I have to tell the story before we get to the whole clicker training positive reinforcement bit of it. So, yeah, so then in, 
in, I don't know what the English term for this is, in German we call it Weben, and it's when a horse has a behavioral issue inside the stall he's held in, where he shifts his weight from leg to leg, um, so front leg to front leg, um, and he would just be like weaving around. I think that's what it's called, weaving in English. Um, Finn had a variation on that, in that he would like, um, he would... He would put his head back and forwards, back and forwards, back and forwards, and just like, kind of like a chicken. And he did that movement on end for hours. And so it was quite a commute to get to his stable at the time. Um, I didn't have a driver's license yet. Um, I didn't have any means to a car or anything like that. So I had to get to him per bicycle, train, tram. And it was very complicated and it took over an hour and I always had to go to him after school. So yeah, that was a very stressful part of um, my life because I was doing my final year exams and I had to commute a long way to the horse every day and I had to make sure to exercise him properly. Otherwise he would tear down the stall was essentially it. And on the weekends, uh, I would have to be there at four in the morning, get the earliest train in order to get him outside. Otherwise, again, he would tear the stall down. And I just felt really bad for him because I knew he was just bored. So I tried to find enrichment activities that I could put in his stall. None of them really worked out. Uh, they didn't really help. Like hay nets, I had licky, um, the little licky, <laughs> what do you call them? Like, yeah, little lick it things, I had a ball in there, etc, etc, etc. I was kind of helpless and then in order to participate in higher tests we had to do a course and so we trailered Finn to a different facility that offered this course over a week and this facility coincidentally it was a hit active stable. This is a very rough translation from the German um, type um, environment for the horses. So it was like, I would compare it to a paddock paradise, basically all the horses wore like necklaces, um, for lack of a better term, and they had a chip in them, and they were able to do everything by themselves, they lived in the big herd, and they would be able to, you know, get their um, pellets, they would be able to get their hay, they would be able to get onto the pasture just with this chip and it was completely customizable to each horse. So the rations they were fed, the time they were allowed out, etc, etc, etc. And it was just communal living, herd living for the horses. And I loved it and I thought this would be fantastic for Finn. And um, But there was nowhere around that I could get to with public transport. So it was very difficult, but in the end, I found one that was actually 15 minutes away, a little hidden gem from where my grandma lived, where I also lived at the time. And so in the end, uh, we managed to arrange something with the owner and uh, we put Finn there. And I'm not exaggerating when I say this, but literally all of his like mental behavioral problems went away. He turned into the most relaxed, spook-proof horse that um, that I know and it was amazing and I fell in love with the system and I saw how happy all the horses were and I was like oh this is something different and this is something great and so that's kind of when I started 
putting more research into how horses are kept and different training techniques you can use with them. At the time I was there, Finn had a couple of incidents where his shoes were pulling off at the back, which meant that he had a hoof abscess a lot of the time. So in order to um, still be able to work with him, I started getting really getting into positive reinforcement and clicker training. And um, but not riding, it was always like tricks. I, I didn't do like proper groundwork or proper lunging with him with it or proper riding with it. I did just trick training. Um, so I taught him how to fetch like that. I taught him how to uh, knock over little cones um, and stuff like that. And it was great fun and he thoroughly enjoyed it. And Finn is just such a playful horse um, that, yeah, he really, really thrived under those circumstances so then um yeah i was i then also switched over to bitless riding at around the same time i had done a lot of research on it and finn always had problems with um bits in that his mouth is very small and um he would chew very very hard and was more like chomping not chewing on the bit and he his tongue was very tensed up and he seemed very unhappy with bits in general which made him overall very tense to ride so um i was like hey let's give this a go so i got him a glücksrad which is a type of hackamore that doesn't have as much leverage as your traditional hackamore um and as soon as we switched over to that, I had actually just thought I would just try it for a week and then maybe just, you know, dabble in it, switch between the bit and stuff. Uh, yeah, I never switched back. Finn has never had a bit in his mouth since then. Um, I also have not competed in eventing since we moved to that stable. Um, nor have I been on a cross-country field since then. I do miss it greatly and I hope one day we might be able to get back to it. But that depends on Finn and if he wants to do it and how the positive reinforcement will continue with that. Um, I'm gonna shorten the rest of the story because there's a lot of stable moves that we did in between. Um, but to prevent this podcast from becoming ultra long, I'm just gonna sum it up and say that I'm now studying in the Netherlands. I study international law here. Um, I'm in my second year now. Uh, I took Finn with me. That was a big plus for the Netherlands. Otherwise, I would have probably gone for the UK. Um, Finn is now with me, and we're now we finally found a stable that is similar. Well, it's the exact same system as the one we had in Germany, where he was so happy. So it's I'm just gonna call it a paddock paradise with machines, um, chip machines. Um, and he's very happy here and we had a little bit of a break for my first year in law school because it was it was a lot of work and to be completely honest I felt very very lost I didn't want to ride because I felt like I was using a lot of pressure and force and I was constantly doubting what my trainers had told me beforehand because uh, well yeah their techniques just didn't seem to they always just used a lot of force and I didn't understand why so much force needed to be used when I could teach him so many tricks using just treats. No force, no ropes, no nothing, just treats. 
Um... So that was a little background story to um, Finna and my journey so far. Um, now what I would like to share with you in the following episodes, and I hope that you enjoy that you will enjoy these episodes, is our journey to transfer positive reinforcement clicker training to um, proper groundwork, proper lunge work and eventually riding. So I'm currently not riding him. I might next week do a little walk with him. Um, I am planning to use no negative reinforcement with him. So that's the whole pressure release pressure um, method that is commonly used in quote unquote traditional um, horsemanship. I will solely be focusing on positive reinforcement. We've already had a couple of sessions introducing the target and we've been doing target training and so far I'm loving it and I would like to share with you guys more about the use of the target and what we've been practicing um, over the coming episodes. Um, Yeah, and probably next episode we will cover what we've been doing so far and what our main short-term aims for now are and then maybe I'll do also an episode or maybe in the same episode what our long-term aims are and how we are planning on reaching those. I do hope you will enjoy those episodes. I hope you've enjoyed this one even though it's been very, um, I don't want to say boring but it's not been the most exciting and it's not been the most like horse training focused but I thought it was important to do a little bit of an about us so that you could get to know us and a little bit about our background before we delve completely into just positive reinforcement, clicker training, and seeing what we can get our horses to do if we see them as equal training partners. So thank you very much for listening and I hope you'll be listening to the next episode.